ACCA, the world's most forward-thinking professional accountancy body. Welcome to this edition of ACCA Me Talks. Joining me today are Shiraz Khan, Head of Tax and Partner at Altamimi & Company, Noman Mian, CFO of Bait.com and Mustafa Malik, CFO of Philips KSA. Today we're going to aim to share insights that are drawn from our recently launched report in collaboration with Altamimi & Company titled VAT Middle East Lessons Learned. We encourage you to download and read the report if you have not done so. So Shiraz, a question for you first of all. Can you give us a brief synopsis of this paper? Altamimi worked together with the ACCA uh, to look at VAT three years on. Uh, so now with the UAE and Saudi Arabia having implemented VAT in 2018, Three years have gone by. Uh, there's some other countries which, which are still to introduce VAT. Om Oman's obviously gone ahead uh, earlier this month. Uh, so the purpose of this exercise was really uh, to look at what's happened and what are the lessons learned, uh, both from the tax authorities' perspective and also from the taxpayers' perspective. Uh, so we looked at various uh, things in, in the course of the report, uh, and the sco scope of the report was essentially based on eight elements. Uh, firstly, we looked at the implementation of VAT across the GCC uh, on a general note. Uh, then we took a, a bit more of a deep dive into the VAT registration thresholds in the GCC uh, before we moved on and we looked at the VAT returns and payments process. Uh, and we also assessed the penalty regimes, uh, some of the relief measures which uh, tax authorities have introduced for VAT, uh, as well as analysing the websites of uh, tax authorities in the GCC that have introduced VAT uh, and assessing the interaction between the tax authorities and the stakeholders. Uh, and then finally, uh, concluding on, uh, you know, what, what is the use of VAT in these GCC countries. Now, in dealing with the very first one, uh, VAT implementation, uh, I think the first question is, why was VAT introduced? Uh, VAT obviously has been in, under discussion in the, in the GCC for a very, very long time. Many people think it was introduced in 2018 discussions only started a few years before. Uh, actually, VAT has been under discussion since as early as 2004. It's just at that time, uh, the countries uh, never had appetite to go ahead and proceed with VAT implementation. And it took the oil and gas uh, crisis in, in 2014-2015 for them to really think about the introduction of VAT more, more seriously. Uh, so with the drop of the oil and gas prices, uh, the GCC countries started to think about alternative revenue stream. And that's where VAT came in. Uh, it's one of the taxes which, which could have diversified the economy. Uh, and unlike, for example, corporate tax, which is actually um, which is actually a cost to businesses doing business in the country, VAT is tax neutral from that perspective. It's also a very big revenue generator in countries that have VAT. Uh, so in the UK, for example, it's, it's the third uh, highest revenue generating tax. Uh, for tax authorities, it's also popular because uh, it's very efficient to collect. Uh, taxpayers assess it on a self-assessment basis, and it's easy to enforce and administer. So see, these are some of the advantages. Uh, the IMF also suggested to the GCC countries that if they introduced a VAT to diversify the revenue stream, it would be expected to generate around 1.5 to 2% in revenue for each country, depending on the country. Uh, so these are some of the reasons why VAT was introduced. 
Uh, now, when VAT was uh, being discussed at that time, the idea was that all six GCC countries would introduce VAT. So they entered into a GCC VAT agreement uh, under which all six GCC countries committed to introduce VAT. Uh, and this GCC agreement set some of the common principles which were to be implemented by each GCC country uh, in its local legislation once it implements it. Um, now, the intention was that all six GCC countries would implement VAT within a very short period of time, between 1 January 2018 uh, and 1 January 2019. And obviously, the, the rea there's various reasons for that, you know, because all these GCC countries are part of an economic cooperation. There's a customs union as well, uh, and they're trying to develop a common market. Uh, so these factors taken into mind, it, it made sense that they all implemented VAT at the same time. And also it was to prevent uh, sort of tax arbitrage between the countries. Uh, because if you have VAT in one country and not another country, uh, it could, it, the, uh, countries could be seen as more attractive uh, from a business perspective to receive supply of goods or services, or even to live in perhaps. Uh, so the real intention was to bring it in within the, a short period of time for these reasons. And also to minimize uh, competition between GCC countries, obviously uh, with different pricing and different factors. Uh, uh, one of the other factors was that it, it, there's an electronic system in the GCC and uh, it, the, in order to develop that, you know, VAT had to come in at the same time by all the GCC countries. Uh, so that's why. But in the end, we obviously ended up with a staggered VAT implementation. Uh, so UAE and Saudi Arabia were the first two countries to implement VAT. Then Bahrain went ahead on the 1st of January 2019, uh, and then Oman has now recently followed, becoming the fourth country, uh, with Qatar and Kuwait still yet to decide when they're going to implement VAT. So why the delays? Now, in, in terms of, you know, Qatar specifically, they, they had everything ready and they still have everything ready. It's just a question is when is a decision going to be taken at the, at the higher level? Uh, and in terms of Kuwait, you know, there, there's some uh, resistance at the parliament level in terms of implementing VAT. Uh, Oman only recently introduced it because there were, uh, there were some challenges in, in implementing VAT and also the readiness of the authority uh, and the people having the IT infrastructure ready. Uh, so these are the, some of the reasons why, why the delay happened. Now, moving on to some of the lessons which have been learned from, uh, from, from the implementation of VAT in these countries. Uh, and I think the implementation of VAT in UAE, Saudi and Bahrain is actually a learning experience uh, uh, for all countries, including Oman, which has just gone ahead, uh, and for Qatar and, and also Kuwait, when they, when they ultimately end up with, uh, implementing VAT, both on the authority, uh, tax authority side and also on the taxpayer side. So as far as the government is concerned, uh, I think one of the major lessons is that it's important to engage key stakeholders um, to understand, you know, the impact that is, uh, the VAT is going to have on their businesses, uh, the sector-specific issues which they'll be facing, and uh, how should they go about designing their policy for VAT in the country. So that's a part, important part of the interaction. Uh, also, what, what would be useful to have is a consultation period. Uh, so a period where the draft legislation is published in advance uh, to give taxpayers and other stakeholders time to comment on the law uh, to enable any changes to be made before the law is actually uh, is actually published. Uh, now this only happened in Saudi Arabia, obviously in all other countries there was no such consultation period uh, and it remains to be seen whether this will happen in Kuwait and Qatar, uh, but certainly something that countries should consider. 
Uh, also, you know, how, how conducting awareness sessions is very, very important. Uh, VAT being a new tax, uh, you know, in Kuwait and Qatar, which are next, uh, is going to impact all businesses and they need to understand what the tax obligations are, how the business will be impacted uh, and what the rules will look like and how it will impact them. So it's very, very important to have these sessions uh, across the board uh, to raise the awareness of businesses. Uh, what will also be useful if the, if the law is published in advance, uh, and we had some challenges with the publication of the law in, in some of the countries. In Saudi, it's published four months in advance. Uh, in UAE, the regulations were published just a, a month before implementation. In Bahrain, they were just weeks before. Uh, so the earlier publication of the law will help give taxpayers certainty uh, on, on the VAT treatment uh, under the VAT law. Uh, I think an, another point to bear in mind for governments is that they need to have the human and technical resources in place. Uh, so the UAE and Bahrain, for example, were very, very new tax authorities. So they had to start everything from, from scratch, uh, whereas some of the other countries had tax authorities which have existed for quite some time. But nevertheless, it's not straightforward uh, to, to just start uh, implementing a new tax. Uh, you need to hire more people. Uh, you need to have additional expertise. Uh, you need to update your IT infrastructure. Uh, so there's a lot of work to be done on the human technical side. Um, and I think for the final thing on the tax authorities or government side is making sure that taxpayers uh, have awareness of the tax authorities' positions and have the relevant guidance in the form of uh, published guides uh, and also FAQs. On the taxpayer side, it's, it's very, very important uh, to take a proactive approach and prepare early. I think some of the issues we had in all these countries were uh, some of the people living in these countries and businesses operating there thought the laws would be delayed. Uh, and they'll take some time to be implemented. And a lot of them were also waiting for the final regulations uh, when perhaps that wasn't really necessary. And I'll come on to that in more detail later on. Uh, but that meant that, you know, for example, in the UAE, the businesses that waited for the regulations in Bahrain, uh, they only had weeks to prepare. Uh, what they could have done is they could have done a lot of the work up front. Uh, I mean, VAT was, isn't a new law. It's existed in, it exists already in 160 plus countries. Uh, the GCC VAT framework was based on the VAT agreement, uh, and now we have uh, VAT laws in, in four countries. So this gives you some sort of precedent on which to do your preparation and do the work. Uh, and hopefully this should minimize the preparation time. Uh, so rather than waiting, uh, my message is to, just to effectively uh, take a proactive approach and start your pre preparation as soon as possible. Now let's talk VAT policy. Um, there was a different approaches in terms of what different countries did uh, from a VAT policy perspective. Under the GCC VAT agreement, uh, all GCC countries were required to adopt VAT treatment for certain industry sectors. Uh, for example, the export of goods or services was required to be zero rated. Uh, the, the supply of uh, passenger and goods transportation was to be zero rated, uh, as well as uh, the supply of investment grade metal and the supply of medicine and certain medical equipment. Um, and these were required to be zero rated under the local law, but the GCC agreement gave a lot of discretion to many individual countries on what to do in terms of different industry sectors, for example, real estate, uh, education sector, health sector as well. Uh, so we saw differences in approaches. Uh, for example, in Saudi Arabia, they only zero rated the bare minimum, whatever they were required to zero rate. Uh, so all these categories are mentioned for five of them, Saudi Arabia zero rated. In addition to that, uh, public education and public health care were outside the scope of VAT. 
Um, but otherwise, uh, the, the supply of residential and, and commercial real estate, was, uh, residential real estate was exempt, uh, as well as financial services. Uh, and there was no other exceptions. In the UAE, for example, they had many additional exceptions. Uh, so the UAE also zero rated the first supply of residential real estate, uh, and they also zero rated the healthcare sector, uh, essential healthcare, and and also certain education services. Uh, and in addition to financial services, uh, the transportation, local transportation sector was also exempt, as was life insurance. Uh, Bahrain followed the UAE's approach, so it had a wide uh, list of exceptions uh, in terms of items which are subject to the zero rate. Uh, and they also zero rated food, for example, which, which wasn't zero rated by UAE or Saudi. So now in terms of the, 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 in terms of the VAT policy for long-term contracts, uh, the, the, the countries also took a different approach. Uh, so for example, you may enter into long-term contracts which existed before the implementation of VAT, but these contracts continue after the implementation of VAT. And now in terms of these contracts, uh, they, they, could, they could continue for many, many years. Uh, so it was interesting the approach that different countries took. Uh, the UAE, for example, they treated uh, all the contracts which uh, straddled the VAT implementation date as inclusive of VAT. However, in certain circumstances, they allowed uh, you to treat uh, the prices exclusive of VAT where the contracts are silent on VAT, provided that the customer is registered for VAT and they can recover the VAT and you get a confirmation from the customer before the implementation of VAT. In Saudi, uh, on the other hand, they followed a similar approach to UAE, uh, but it was just a difference in terms of technicality. So in Saudi, uh, if, if you entered into a contract uh, before May 2017 uh, and the contract was silent on VAT, uh, you were allowed to zero rate uh, as opposed to treat it as exclusive until the end of 2018 at the latest. Uh, Bahrain didn't have any special transitional rules uh, for long-term contracts. Now, the final thing I wanted to touch on in terms of implementation uh, is, is the general approach which countries took. Uh, so the, the first thing I wanted to discuss was the legislative framework. Uh, so again, you know, Saudi had a different approach to UAE and Bahrain when it came to the legislative framework. Uh, so Saudi uh, actually implemented the VAT agreement, the GCC agreement in its local law. And then in addition to that, it had the VAT law and the VAT regulations. On the other hand, UAE and Bahrain, both, they didn't implement uh, the GCC agreement within the local law. They had separate uh, law and the separate regulations. However, they implemented mainly the principles in the GCC agreement uh, within their local legislation. What about some of the other findings, such as registration thresholds? In terms of VAT registration thresholds, uh, as I mentioned, the GCC agreement actually fixed a number of things and gave a lot of discretion to individual GCC countries. Now, one of the things that were fixed by the GCC agreement was actually the registration thresholds. Uh, and the registration thresholds were fixed broadly at uh, the equivalent of 100,000 riyals for the mandatory registration threshold and $50,000 for the, for the voluntary registration threshold. Uh, initially, they were actually considering on having a mandatory registration th threshold of 1 million dollars uh, and having a uh, uh, $500,000 registration threshold for the voluntary registration. However, these were considered too high and the policy they ultimately adopted was to allow smaller businesses to register and recover VAT because unless you're re registered, you can't recover. Uh, and just allowing only the very, very small businesses uh, to perhaps be eased from the administrative burden of VAT. 
Uh, in terms of time periods as well, the countries took a different approach. Uh, so under the GCC VAT agreement, uh, you're required to consider the mandatory and voluntary registration threshold uh, in the current month and the previous 11 months uh, or the next 11 months. Uh, Saudi Arabia and Bahrain uh, broadly followed that approach, whereas in the UAE, it was the previous uh, 12 months uh, or the next 30 days, the annual supplies. For non-residents, uh, there's no uh, threshold actually. So if you're a non-resident and you, you supply services in, in the local country, uh, then you're required to register locally and account for VAT if no one else is required to register for VAT. Uh, there's also the concept of VAT groups in all three countries, uh, allowing you to form a VAT group uh, and therefore filing a single VAT return, easing administrative burden, uh, and also allowing you to uh, treat the supplies which are made between the VAT group uh, as outside the scope of VAT. Uh, and again, all countries allowed you to, to effectively be accepted from the requirement to register if the only supplies that you're making are zero-rated supplies. Uh, and they also allowed you to uh, register on a voluntary basis based on your expenses in addition to the supplies. Now, what was also contrasting is that is in, in the first year of implementation, the approach different countries took. So in the UAE, all businesses were required to register uh, from the 1st January 2018 without any exception. Uh, however, in Saudi Arabia, it allows some of the smaller businesses who had revenues of less than one, one million Saudi rials to postpone VAT registration by one year. Uh, and in Bahrain, they actually took a phased VAT implementation approach, whereas VAT was introduced on the, on the 1st of January 2019. Uh, however, businesses were required to register over the course of the year. Uh, so businesses with a revenue of over 5 million Bahraini dinars were required to register on the 1st of January. Uh, those with revenue over 500,000 Bahraini dinars were, were required to register by 1st of July. And all those uh, other taxpayers who were required to register uh, could register on the 1st of January 2020. Being an accountant myself, I've spent years doing tax returns. Tell us about the findings here, including the dreaded penalties. Uh, the there's a lot of discretion given by the GCC agreement. Uh, I think the only thing which the GCC agreement stated was that a tax period should be at least one month. Uh, now, the standard tax period, it was different, different countries took different approaches. Uh, so in the UAE, the standard uh, tax period was three months. Uh, the, the tax authority could allocate you uh, a, another period, uh, depending on their discretion. And typically, larger businesses were given monthly tax periods, uh, whereas smaller businesses had, uh, had quarterly tax periods. In Saudi Arabia and Bahrain, uh, effectively, if your if your revenues exceeded a certain threshold, uh, so in Saudi Arabia over 40 million rials, uh, in, in Bahrain I think it was above three three million uh, Bahraini dinars, uh, then you will effectively uh, become a monthly taxpayer. Otherwise, you'd be a quarterly taxpayer. Uh, in in UAE, in terms of the filing and payment dates, you're required to pay within 28 days, uh, the end of your standard uh, tax period. Uh, whereas in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain, uh, the requirement was quite similar. It's one month uh, after the end of your tax period. Um, UAE doesn't allow uh, installment payments under this legislation, whereas Bahrain and Saudi Arabia do allow installment payments. Uh, if effectively, if you could prove that there's a, there's a burden on you uh, and you, you're unable to make the payments, but you have to make an application to the authorities, it's not automatic. Uh, all countries allow on for online filing and payments as well. Uh, so you could pay online by credit card and also by bank transfer. 
all countries allow you to correct uh, your VAT returns as well if you have errors. Uh, the question is just approach. So in the in the UAE, there's a voluntary disclosure regime uh, where favorable penalties apply. Uh, if if you actually the earlier you disclose, uh, in Saudi Arabia also you 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 could disc uh, you could eff effectively disclose any errors that you made. Uh, in Bahrain, you have to submit uh, an amended tax return. So just a difference in form. Now, just to touch on the VAT penalty regime, uh, there's nothing specific in the GCC VAT agreement uh, in terms of the penalties which would apply in each individual country. So a lot of this was left to the discretion of individual countries. Uh, however, a lot of the countries, they took approach uh, a combination of fixed penalties and percentage-based penalties. Uh, what was common with all the countries was that essentially the penalty for tax evasion was, was, was generally quite higher uh, and quite punitive actually. Uh, so in Saudi Arabia, the, the penalty for tax evasion is up to uh, up to three times the amount of supply, uh, whereas in the UAE, it's about three times the amount of tax. Uh, so very, very high penalties for tax evasion. Uh, in Bahrain, uh, the, the penalty could also, in all countries, in fact, the penalty could also include imprisonment. Uh, and in Bahrain, effectively, if you have prolonged non-compliance, that could also be considered as tax evasion. So some definitional issues. Uh, I think what an interesting feature of the penalty regimes in these countries as compared to other countries is that the penalties are quite higher uh, because VAT is a new tax and it's very, very important uh, for these GCC countries to diversify the revenue stream and collect the tax. And that's why they take a very tough approach when it comes to penalties. Okay, so with all of this, is it safe to ask the question, what will the governments do with all of this revenue? Um, now, in all the countries, you know, they don't really publish detailed information on how they use VAT. Uh, in the UAE constitu constitution, there is a mention that uh, tax revenue will be for the UAE. Uh, but there's an underlying acknowledgement that uh, perhaps the revenue will be divided between emirates. So, for example, all the VAT returns, you have to report the revenue by different emirates. Uh, but I think what's clear is that, you know, all these GCC countries are effectively uh, using this revenue to, to support the budget and to fund public expenditure. And uh, some of the reasons, as I mentioned earlier, why VAT was introduced was IMF was uh, estimating that all GCC countries would develop around 1.5 to 2% in revenue from uh, as compared to GDP. I think what was also interesting was that all countries exceeded expectations on VAT revenue in the first year. In the UAE, for example, they were expecting around 12 billion dirhams. Uh, so they ended up generating around 27 billion dirhams. In Saudi Arabia, there was an expectation in the first year to generate 35 billion rials, uh, but they ended up generating over 45 billion rials. And similarly, in Bahrain, uh, there was an expectation to generate 150 million Bahraini dinars, uh, but they actually generated 250 million. Thanks, Shiraz. That was a brilliant, quick snapshot of the findings. Gentlemen, you both collaborated on this paper, so are you able to tell us your observations on VAT lessons learned? Yeah, a good uh, uh, publication that uh, ACCA has done, and it has really touched upon uh, a lot of uh, uh, GCC VAT aspect to it. Uh, and uh, of course, GC within GCC, it has been, I mean, VAT is... Uh, something new although now it's been introduced for for some time now i think it's since 2008 so um, 
It's uh, It's been there for long, but uh, still we have Oman coming in this year on VAT. Bahrain joined us. Uh, we just need to see who all are going to follow suit. Uh, and uh, I'm sure Kuwait will also be looking into uh, the VAT as well. While uh, Qatar, I guess, uh, that's, uh, they have been still discussing uh, the VAT aspects, but uh, still they don't have a clear timeline there. So, uh, but uh, a lot of changes have come in, Mustafa, in Saudi, especially with the 15% uh, VAT change. So do you think that uh, it, has this impacted the overall consumer view of uh, things and how is the inflation looking like now? Indeed, Noman. I think uh, the VAT had had a bigger impact, uh, especially in Saudi Arabia, because as we know that you know all the, the GCC uh, members actually signed uh, this agreement back in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know to implement the VAT at a, at a rate of five percent. But then Saudi Arabia actually discoursed last year, and they changed uh, the direction from moving moving away from five percent to fifteen percent. Uh, we saw a big inflation. I think it went up as far as six percent. Um, in, in 2020, and um, and we continue to see the impact uh, where I think uh, government had to take multiple uh, of uh, initiatives to to relieve the taxpayers from uh, from some of the some of the burden. And I think we're going to continue to see that in Saudi Arabia. I think there were um, a lot of anticipation uh, that Saudi might go down from 15% to somewhere in between, not 5%, but you know there was an indication. But these are you know of course the speculations. Yeah. We'll see how the how things turn out because I think uh, other countries are going to follow the course now. As you mentioned, Qatar is is still uh, you know um, is studying. I think th things are going to things are going to change. No, for sure, and I think uh, uh, all the changes that have been um, happening around us and with uh, COVID nineteen, uh, all the governments are uh, all stretched, and uh, they have extended a lot of support. Even Saudi has extended a lot of support to its. Uh, uh, consumers as well as to all the companies where they have uh, extended these uh, uh, exemption, uh, the fines, and they have, uh, have given extensions in terms of submissions. So that all uh, countries or all GCC countries are specifically doing a lot of uh, thinking around it. And right. uh, I feel uh, they have thought about this a little bit more uh, versus uh, the switching from five to 15%. Probably that's where I feel that uh, there must have been some thought process behind that as well, which uh, clearly uh, we don't understand as much. But of course, uh, there is a hard hit on uh, on consumer. As you said, the inflation went up to 6%. But uh, hopefully things will uh, uh, will get better with time. And uh, I guess it's all uh, uh, Saudi has set up, a, you can say, have set up a benchmark or as well as an example for the rest of the GCC is the impact of uh, any changes in, in VAT rates uh, going forward as well. Yeah, and, so, and what about the implications in, in, for example, UAE? Uh, do you hear anything, um, you know, from the government that they might follow the course of Saudi Arabia, they might increase because as we know, COVID has impacted the governments, right? So do you see anything uh, like that happening in, in, in UAE or any other uh, Gulf country for that matter? Well, uh, what I understand from uh, within UAE and the sentiments of uh, people here in UAE, the, everybody has been sort of uh, uh, in, in support of what government has, steps what governments have taken to in terms of giving stimulus packages, 
and uh, everything else. But there, there has been no uh, discussion or uh, back chatter about uh, increasing the rates so far. So, which is which is a great sign uh, that uh, they understand that uh, this is the time where probably uh, companies need a relief. And uh, I think when when they did offer the extensions for, um, and this is back in 2020, they did offer the extension of uh, submission of VATs as well. But uh, I feel the, 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 I won't say the world is a better place, but uh, I think uh, UAE has definitely come out of that uh, scares of uh, 2020 where things were uh, very much sort of unpredictable. Right now, if you step outside, you will still find the, the industry to be a lot more vibrant. If you speak with professionals, they feel that uh, there is a lot of uh, positivity as well. So uh, people are actually planning forward. Uh, COVID has obviously accelerated a lot of technological aspects. And uh, this has also uh, increased demand for a lot of accountants as well in terms of uh, if they have the right skill set, people are looking to change skill sets within their organization. So it has been uh, active. The market has been active overall, uh, but um, to your point, there has been no change or there is no back chatter about uh, getting a increase in the, in the VAT rates. No, absolutely. So, uh, I think this is yeah. encouraging. This is definitely encouraging because, um, you know, a lot of the trade, a lot of the, um, uh, you know, economy will, will be much, very much dependent uh, on, on, on these kind of uh, indications in the market, um, you know, from, especially from the governments. Uh, now, I think um, regulation-wise, if you, if you touch base on the regulation a little bit, um, you, know, uh, you know, going back to the agreement that was signed between, uh, you know, in 2017 between the GCC councils, so th there were certain um you know um precedents that they had said that you know th there will be some items that will be bad chargeable not uh, bad exempt etc cetera, etc cetera. but then we saw saudi changing uh the course of course we they they started charging vt on something that they had not agreed upon as well um how do you see that happening for for uae as well do, do you think uae is also going to touch on uh, you know on, on areas where they previously had not agreed upon this you know as part of the gcc member so there has been a lot of review on uh, some of those exempt or zero rated items uh, but uh, overall there has been no major changes uh, there, there was this uh, of course the sugar tax or the sin tax about how they you know, frame it um, that's there but obviously that's uh, from a different perspective uh, but uh, uh, the, the regulations around it are somewhat similar here they're just increasing the tax net um, and um, from your the, from the question in terms of the tax net, they haven't changed. They haven't made many changes, but there have been tweaks and clarifications. There are a lot of clarifications that have come forward uh, in terms of uh, making sure that uh, uh, people' understanding is clear, as well as uh, at the same time uh, we, they are not. Uh, they are either taking uh, people on board in terms of uh, within the tax net. Or they're just uh, simply saying that uh, this is not applicable applicable to you so uh, overall I, I haven't i haven't seen major shifts in terms of uh, uh, vat and and your industry is specifically the service industry right so i think when we talk about um, a vat it's more on you know you buy something you pay that when it comes to services i think it's a bit more technical a bit more tricky 
um, you know, how do you, how do you see that? How do you uh, see the challenges in, in in that frame of work? Well, I, I completely agree. Services is slightly more uh, different, and uh, with uh, with COVID, a lot of uh, transactions now have gone online, which uh, definitely has uh, uh, had a VAT impact for for a lot of companies. And this is where you really need to be one smart as well as uh, understand the law carefully because uh, a lot of uh, the, the delivery of uh, services is dependent on where you're consuming it as well so uh, you could be sitting in in uae and somebody will be consuming that service somewhere outside of the gcc or outside uh, or within the states within the gcc states so these are some of the careful understanding of how um, the services are getting transferred uh, who at the end are consuming those services and that's how you um, understand what uh, VAT implications implications are and and this is this has been some I mean in for example some services like Amazon where products are uh, actually the physical products are moving from one place to the other it is slightly more easier to identify where the consumers are sitting and how you you know you can uh, from an Amazon perspective, wherever that uh, parcel or package is getting delivered, you can apply the weight based on the address. Whereas with the services, it's slightly more challenging where, where it is less likely to identify the real consumer of those services. So uh, that again, you, you have to be uh, sort of smart and understand where your customers are sitting, where are the consumer settings. Uh, so uh, I think that, FTA, which is the Federal Tax Authority in UAE, have looked into this uh, a lot uh, in detail as well. Indeed, indeed. In a twist to this edition, we have some questions from our members, which our guests will answer. We know that the tax burden will be paid by the final consumers because of the VAT and the cash flow. Um, is that going to impact companies for them to then increase their prices? What have you seen here, um, uh, Noman or Mustafa in Saudi? Well, from a UAE perspective, and I'm pretty sure it's a, uh, because it's cash flow, so it has impacted uh, both companies in Saudi and, and UAE. The, the challenge there is, there is, is definitely VAT is a compliance cost. So uh, it is a cost for companies to manage the VAT return, to manage the invoices, to manage the books and manage the reporting. So there is definitely an, a compliance cost. Is can this cost be passed over to your consumer? Is more of a business question. So uh, can your consumer take, for example, if you pick uh, Pepsi or Coca-Cola, their prices are fixed. So can they pass on those compliance costs? Possibly not. Uh, or uh, will any change in your pricing make you more competitive or less competitive. So it is definitely a, a business uh, decision to make, but then yes, it is going to have an impact on your cash flow. So you should be always ready during your VAT return or submission time that uh, you have to pay this money back. So there is definitely cash, uh, cash flow planning that is required as well as uh, uh, cash flow forecasting uh, to make sure that you have enough funds because that's one, uh, request or one payment that you cannot not make because there are penalties, there are uh, uh, requirements that uh, 
for, from a compliance perspective that uh, these are some of those costs that this was otherwise if you don't pay on time it will only add to your cost so uh, making sure that you pay on time is is definitely something that you should do most of anything sorry if i took your all the thunder away no, no. I, but, no, no, I think you touched upon one of the very important aspects, uh, but I'm going to uh, tackle this in a little different way. Um, so I think the question was, uh, will the cash flow have any impact on the pricing? I think it also depends on uh, what industry you're in. For example, um, if you're going to pitch to a customer that I'm, you know, you need to pay me, uh, let's say, 100,000 for a person product, right? Um, certainly now I'm saying that you have to pay me 115. So the customer comes back and says, that, okay, I'm going to take six months so you have already an embedded cost of capital there so you have cost of financing now that you have to pass it on to the customer now this this may not be directly because of the uh VAT, but but because of you know the um uh, the, the cash flow or the receivables that you have to uh, discount or factor or you know the long-term uh, financing that you have to provide and and in doing so indirectly we also bump up our prices because now we have to wait longer uh, to get paid as opposed to uh, to one shot um, and then also, I think in, in certain lot, in a lot of the cases, uh, VAT has, I've seen in practice, VAT has become a point of negotiation with the customers. So customers come back and say, okay, why don't you take it? Um, although they understand that this is something that is claimable back from the government, uh, yet they still want to use this as a negotiation point. So I think we see uh, the pricing changing from that angle as well sometimes. Uh, and it's not in mostly in the consumer business, it's more, mostly in the project-based uh, businesses where you have the long-term projects and long-term, uh, you know, deliverables. Fantastic. Maybe this question could be for Mustafa. Companies were given a cash relief in KSA by allowing them not to pay VAT on import at customs clearance stage. Do you know whether this practice will carry on in 2021? So we don't have specific indication yet, um, but of course, uh, you know, something that is not part of the uh, regulation uh, is not expected to continue forever. So uh, there were certain measures that were given uh, relief as part of the, you know, uh, COVID measures as part of the economic measures, uh, but things that are uh, not made mandatory, things that are not made part of the uh, regulations, as I mentioned, are not probably going to continue. We will see how things fold, out, uh, fold uh, you know, unfold in, in, in the next couple of quarters as well, as we as we move out uh, as we move towards getting out of this pandemic uh, we'll see how governments are going to behave uh, specific to these topics how will vat apply on transactions involving any gcc states which have not yet introduced vat i, I, th I think at this stage all, all the gcc countries are treating each other as non-gcc countries i think uh, that they have transitional rules of, uh, whereby for example in saudi arabia if you haven't implemented an electronic system they'll treat all the other countries as non-GCC countries. And also the UAE, if another GCC country treats the UAE as a non-GCC country, uh, they'll treat them as a non-GCC country. And even if they haven't implemented the GCC agreement, they'll treat them as a non-GCC country. Bahrain has a combination of both rules. Uh, so I think we, we, we we're at a stage where all countries will treat each other as non-GCC countries, probably until the electronic services systems are implemented at the earliest. So in a, when they treat them as a non-GCC country, they're effectively treating them as a as a third country. Uh, so the VAT rules, uh, same VAT rules will apply uh, as the UK, for example. Uh, so, so the GCC country will not be treated as a GCC country for VAT purposes. What is the dividing line between tax evasion and errors or mistakes? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I think this is, if I may, this is a uh, this is a question that goes back to um, to, of course, your intention. Uh, but of course, there are uh, a lot of practices, a lot of uh, in, uh, you know penalties, as as Shiraz mentioned, uh, and the framework that the government has said that you have to you have to work uh, within the boundaries of that framework. Um, I think the ultimate question becomes. Can you prove the intention? I think this is uh, this is where the uh, the challenges the governments usually will face the challenges. But yeah, we we all know when we're doing something wrong or when we're when we're trying to uh, work our way out within the boundaries of the framework. So um, I think let's let's understand the le legislation very clearly and then try to try to work our way uh, you know through that. Just to add to what most of us said, I think that you know there's a there's a fairly big distinction between you know evasion and non-evasion and that, that distinction as Mustafa said depends on intention uh, so where you effectively do something deliberately uh, effectively evasion requires dishonesty it's illegal uh, so either you're concealing information from the tax authority or, or you're providing false information to the tax authority the problem is in some of the jurisdictions here Bahrain for example the distinction has been blurred so for example if you don't register for VAT uh, within 60 days, you're considered as uh, as evading, for example. Uh, so any normal non-compliance over a prolonged period could cons be considered as evasion. Obviously, the the expectation is that in practice, the tax authority will look at intention and they wouldn't apply the regulations in their strict form. Because if you look at the legislation strictly, you, you may be engaged in evasion, uh, even without having that dishonest intention. So, so like I said, in practice, we expect some uh, leniency from the tax authorities in terms of determining intention. Yeah, and also in terms of um, when you're reporting, if you identify a mistake and you report that or uh, voluntarily disclose it, then of course it won't. It will be treated as a mistake. Whereas uh, possibly if something is identified during an audit from FTA, then uh, both things can be looked at. It can be looked at as an evasion. It can be looked at. As uh, as a mistake, but then your controls will be analyzed. How did that miss uh, some of those controls that you may have put around it? Plus, while you're disclosing it voluntarily, there is a time frame as well when this uh, mistake was identified and when it's, it was disclosed. So there is a, probably a, I, I don't exactly remember the number of days, but around 20 to 30 days within those uh, time periods you have to report after identifying the mistake as well. So uh, there is that element there as well. Mm. Um, can someone throw light on how to automate the VAT process? No man or Mustafa. I mean, they've said here, what is the best software? I think the question might be, you know, what are you using? Any recommendations? Well, uh, I would look at this as uh, which car you want to buy. And uh, it only depends on your own requirements. Uh, you want a faster car, you want a bigger car, or uh, you just want a car to get from A to B. So that's that's how I would frame the question on the ERP. So it depends on your own uh, requirements and as long as it fulfills the purpose. Uh, automation obviously will help in the whole process. Uh, of course, it's like uh, uh, walking and, and getting into a car, how, how, how fast it can take you from A to B and uh, the automation definitely helps there. Uh, and in terms of, uh, as you did, considering this is a transactional cost, which means every single transaction gets um, gets a VAT, has a VAT impact, whether it's uh, a sales invoice or uh, it's a purchase invoice. So 
from the volume of things, you can clearly see you will need some sort of automation to assist you with the VAT processing or with the, with the return processing. Yeah, I think you covered it all. I think it, it really depends on um, how deep your pockets are, how much are you willing to spend uh, on this, and what is the expected return. I mean, if your business volume is relatively smaller uh, and you think you want to go for for a, for, for, for a system that is going to give you full automation at a, at a much bigger cost, then I think um, you'll have to think again because it may not be the wise, uh, wisest of decisions. Also, it will vary from which industry you're in. For example, if you're in in a consumer or retail business, then you will need that sort of uh, automation, regardless of how much uh, you know you you um, you're going to spend. Uh, versus, if you're in a project-based business uh, where your transactions are not that often, then I think you might want to think about uh, semi semi automation. So it all depends on what you what you need. And and to answer your original question, can automation be achieved? Yes, 100% automation can be achieved, but it depends on uh, how, you know what you're going to spend on. <clears throat> How much are you going to spend and uh, the amount of work that you're willing to put in? Um, what one piece of advice would you give accountants working across the GCC countries, both with and without VAT introduced? I think um, uh, the, the, the one piece of advice I'll give everybody, uh, and this is something that I've learned uh, the hard way as well, is to uh, get yourself uh, you know, acquainted with the, with, the, with the regulation. Understand the regulation inside out. Um, because there is, uh, there's no other way you're, you're going to be successful, uh, uh, you know, in, in the bad. That is a cost to the business if you don't understand it well. Uh, it can eat up your profitability because we're talking about 5% or 15% in Saudi Arabia. And so most of the time, 15% uh, is more than the, uh, the return on investment or more than the EBIT that you're making for your whole business, right? So if you start losing it, uh, then obviously you're uh, you're not making any profit. So you need to make sure that you understand the regulation very well um, and reach out to the authorities, reach out to, there's a lot of help available out there. You, if you're unsure about something, reach out for help rather than uh, waiting for longer uh, and getting penalized. As, as Shiraz mentioned, the penalties are quite hefty as well. Agreed. So if I, if I jump in with my advice, so one thing that I would suggest everyone is that uh, if you, um, if you want to choose what you need to get right, make sure you get right the sales transaction VAT, because that's something that uh, uh, government will not say that, oh, you claim less and you should claim more because you have more invoices. But if you don't claim enough or you are not taking the right amount of money from your customer, then definitely you are uh, liable to that portion which you haven't taken from your customer as well. So uh, it's like uh, choosing uh, which one is the most crucial one. And at that point, definitely, I would say uh, choose or uh, be more inclined towards uh, claiming or making sure your customers are paying the right amount. You have the right sales invoice in place. The, the format of that invoice is correct. And that way, you can definitely, uh, at least you can save yourself from a lot of penalties. And then if you want, of course, and make, making sure that you don't incur losses for the company, because if you're not claiming the purchase invoice or the enough, then that means uh, uh, that's company, this is a cost to the company. So obviously you need to get that right, but uh, at least uh, the government won't come after you. The last question I've got for Shiraz, um, any news about corporation tax in the UAE from next year? No, there's no news. Uh, corporation tax was actually discussion under discussion before they introduced VAT, uh, but it was decided that they wouldn't introduce corporation tax at that time, um, and and they would obviously focus on VAT. 
since then, there's there's been several statements made that you know corporate tax won't be introduced in the next few years. Um, you know, there's no active discussion on it, but in the future, you never know. Uh, actually, we are, we're actually going to publish an article which I've written on the introduction of corporate tax uh, in the UAE. It should be published in the next few weeks, uh, so you could keep a look out of that. But yeah, just to answer your question in a short way, you know, n nothing certain at this stage, but uh, a, po a possibility in the future, perhaps. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for your time today on ACCA Me Talks. It's clear there are valuable lessons to be learned. And for those who are yet to embark on the implementation phase, we urge you to start your preparation now. The report VAT Middle East Lessons Learned is available now on our Professional Insights app or by visiting www.accaglobal.com. Join me next time as we discuss our recently launched Professional Insights paper Groundbreakers, Gen Z and the Future of Accountancy. Many thanks to Helen Deakey for sound and production. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by ACCA. Find out how we think ahead at accaglobal.com.